Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Why the decline of Christianity? Why are there so many Christians losing their faith? Is Christianity irrelevant to people in the 21st century? Or maybe that's the wrong question. Is modern Christianity irrelevant to God? This is Clyde Kylo. You know, the evidence is weighty. It's undeniable. Christianity in the West is crumbling. Its authority and influence is fading. Its adherents are disengaging. That erosion started slowly, but it has picked up steam. I was looking on the Internet recently on the subject decline of Christianity, and I saw headlines such as, Christianity is dying in the United Kingdom. Losing faith, why Italians are spurning the church. Australian census shows dramatic decline for Christianity, sharp rise of the non-religious. Christianity is a dying religion for millennials in Europe. The rise and fall of Christian Canada. The terminal decline of Christianity in New Zealand. U.S. church membership down sharply in the past two decades. Now, the numbers are growing in Africa and Latin America, but Christianity and its historical power bases is in undeniable decline. Fewer people are claiming it, and even fewer of those who claim it actually practice it seriously. Traditional Christianity is becoming irrelevant. Now, I'm a Christian, and I couldn't be happier or sadder. I couldn't be happier because the silent voice of the masses walking away may finally be what grabs the attention of those who have been ignoring these voices crying out, something is wrong. The church's irrelevant message may be the hello, it's not working, wake-up call that people need to hear. You see, at the heart and core of Christ's teaching is the need for change, deep, personal transformation into a better person in society, and it tells us how to do it. But connect the dots. The turning away from Christianity is telling us that what people are offering is not motivating people. It's not producing relevant change, and it's not satisfactorily explaining life's biggest questions. I'm happy it's not working because only when we see the reasons for Christianity's problems are we going to see the solutions and the need for the reemergence of what God originally intended Christianity to be. But at the same time, it's it's tragic because when the tossing out the baby with the bathwater syndrome— means that while many are tossing out the bathwater of religion, God goes with it. They assume the relevance of God disappears as well. And then what takes religion's place? We have today the popular mantra, I'm spiritual, just not religious. Well, all that's doing is leading many to opt out for creating their own religious belief systems. So they go to the cafeteria of religious uh, ideology and And they say, I'll have a little bit of this, and I'll have a little bit of that. And basically, they're just becoming their own God, creating their own religious universe. And time will show that that's like drawing water from an empty well. So while the studies are are pretty consistent in describing the changing landscape of Christianity, what is inconsistent is the analysis of why. Now, I may step on a few religious toes here. But I'm going to give you three simple but scripturally based answers to the question of why the decline of Christianity. Number one, irrelevancy has become Christian. Christianity immediately started becoming irrelevant 
when irrelevancy started becoming Christian. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's look first at a little biblical history. We we humans have always had trouble doing even the simple things that God asks of us. The, The Old Testament story of Israel and Judah shows repeated cycles of following God for a little while, but then inevitably they would be drawn away to follow other gods. Most of the time they were tempted to integrate their religious neighbors' practices or substitute their own ideas of what righteousness was. But we've been doing the same ever since. Christianity came on the scene later, but from its inception, people quickly started altering nearly everything about it. That's pretty presumptuous for humans. Trying to improve on God is arrogant, but it also renders our religions irrelevant. The legitimacy of Christianity totally depends on whether its creator, Jesus the Christ, is involved and active in it. If he isn't, it's irrelevant. Now, wouldn't it seem logical that whatever Jesus and his apostles did, we would do, should do? What they said, we should say? When churches try to reinvent themselves to appeal to what people want, as so many are doing today, they abandon what is relevant to God. True Christianity is about changing to find our relevance to God, not God changing to find His relevance in us. And if Christianity isn't changing people, it isn't relevant. Jesus' own words are the greatest indictment of Christianity today. A lot of people don't like to read these, but he said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in my name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, he wasn't talking about Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, or any other religion. He was talking to those who claimed to represent him, modern Christianity. He's pretty clear in that, that, you know, you can't just slap the Christian label on yourself, and it necessarily makes you that way. So if God says something is irrelevant, meaningless to him, then all the popular customs, Bible quoting, and righteous talk of humans cannot override that. And what's more, sooner or later, human religious inventions will fail to really explain the spiritual questions for which humans are seeking answers. Human explanations, human explanations, cannot satisfy spiritual voids, and so people will start eventually looking elsewhere for relevancy, as they are today. Point number two, most people eventually stop eating bad fruit. They may move on to other bad fruit, but move on, they will. Jesus had a lot to say about fruit when he came on the scene some 2,000 years ago. The mainstream religious institutions and teachers of the day smugly assumed that they were leading people to God. But to Jesus, they had long ago become irrelevant. He said in Matthew 23, 27, By their fruits you will know them. And when he talked about the fruits, he was unsparing and he was, he was withering in his assessments. Jesus' harshest words were not aimed at the pagan Romans, but at the religious leaders who were claiming to follow God. 
They had these carefully crafted religious practices, and they tried to appear pious. But he cut through all that facade. He called them hypocrites, whitewashed tombs that are beautiful on the outside, but inside are just full of dead men's bones. Uh, They marketed their religion well, but their spiritual lives were just, they were reprehensible. Now, what would Jesus say if he was observing the religious fruit stand of Christianity today? You know, a big reason people are citing today for walking away from Christianity is the bad fruit of churches, of its leaders, the abuse of people and power, scandals and immorality, cover-ups, confusion and opposition over moral and social issues, hypocrisy, greed, opulence, doctrinal disunity, embarrassing extremists. It's all over the place. Bad fruit doesn't just bring shame and embarrassment on churches. It makes Christianity appear irrelevant as a genuine, life-changing entity. Point number three, a counterfeit works only if it's fooling people. Now, you know, once everybody knows that counterfeit money is fake, it's irrelevant. But until then, a lot of people can be cheated. The same thing is true with counterfeit Christianity. Again, what did Jesus say? He said, many will come in my name, many saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Matthew 24, 5, they're counterfeits. He established Christianity with two strong assertions. It would never die, he promised, but he also said that it would be corrupted. And it didn't take long for many deceivers to come. Within just a few years, they began creeping into the church, and in a matter of only decades after Christ, Christianity began to morph into something resembling little of his original church. It wasn't long before the counterfeiters overwhelmed, and they did their overwhelming both in numbers and popularity. The remaining little flock who stayed true to what Jesus and the apostles taught. Their primary tools of deceit were false doctrines, and those false doctrines became norm, the normal. But Jesus' words back then are just as true today. He said in Matthew fifteen six through 9, You have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. If religion teaches commandments that are not biblical, he says that's worshiping in vain. Well, that didn't slow anything down, his warnings. A history of the first few centuries of Christianity shows a magnitude and pace of doctrinal changes that were staggering. Well, it doesn't matter what humans have done. Christianity's real credibility is based on the truth of God not ideas of man. The Bible's testimony is that man's ideas and ways will always fail. So if Christianity is failing today, a core reason is that much of what masquerades as Christianity is man's way, not God's. The foundation on which Christianity has to stand is the truth taught by Christ and the apostles and what is faithfully recorded in the New Testament. Humans cannot change the essence of something God created and expect long-term success. Now, false teachings may create an attractive building that looks great, but that building sits on a foundation of sand and will not stand the test of time.
God will not be mocked, and He will not tolerate lies. Truth will eventually expose the many distortions about God and life that false doctrines have foisted off on people. So if Christians are alarmed by their faith's waning influence, it's probably time for a long look in the mirror. It's time for religious leaders to ask, why haven't we learned that we can't take the church Christ founded and turn it into whatever we want? If our spiritual forefathers took what Jesus taught and turned what was relevant into God into what was relevant to people, do we have the courage to admit that and turn it around? It's time to ask, if Jesus did not endorse the religious institutions of his day, what makes us so confident that when he returns he'll endorse the followers of non-biblical practices and false doctrines that have been integrated into mainstream Christianity today? And it's time for each one of us to ask personally, where do I go from here? Now, true Christianity is relevant. It's meaningful. It's life-changing. And it gives sensible answers. But anything that masquerades as Christianity isn't. Masqueraders have fooled millions of people for hundreds of years. But it's only the truth, Jesus said, that can make you free. You remember Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman? who was struggling to sort through conflicting religious views, he told her the standard is truth. The hour is coming, and now is, he said, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. That's John 4, verses 23 through 24. Are you willing to swim against the tide, to go on a quest for the truth, to test all things and hold fast what is good, as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.21? Are you ready to test all the doctrines of Christianity today and see which are true and which are false, which came from the Bible and which came from human beings? If you know God exists and know the Bible is His Word, I would suggest start by searching out what it really says, not what the religious spin doctors tell you. How did the people in the church Jesus built worship God? What does the Bible say about what he and his followers believed and practiced? Now, to help you out for answers to these questions, see our booklet, Where is the Church Jesus Built? It goes right through those questions and shows you from the Bible what it says and what they practiced. Now, once that's established, ask yourself as well, okay, how did these plain, simple teachings of the Bible and the practices of his church come to be changed? Why were the practices of his church discarded or substituted with the ideas and traditions borrowed mainly from old pagan religions? Is that okay with God? Finally, find out from God, from his words in the Bible, whether or not that makes any difference to him. Some people say, well, that really doesn't make any difference. Oh, yeah? Well, where does it say that in the Bible? Does it make any difference to God? Did all these changes mean anything to him? Or is he okay with our choosing any way we want to worship and relate to Him. A humble, sincere quest for truth, and then a willingness to live it, will make Christianity relevant in your life. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.